When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pod save the queen. Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. I'm your host Anne Gripper and we're having a slightly different episode today. I've let my normal chums go off about their with, about their usual business and instead we have a special guest with us. Welcome back to Pod Save the Queen, Judy James. Thank you very much. So those of you who've been listening to us for a long time may remember that after the royal wedding, um, we had an episode with Judy who talked us through all of the royal body language and all of the things that she had spotted as we saw all of the royals interacting with each other on that fabulous day and and some other bits and pieces that, um, that she'd spotted since. And since quite a lot of water has flown under the royal bridges and they've clocked up some, some air miles and months of married life, we thought it was a good opportunity to talk about um, what's been happening since and how things have changed and the exciting arrival very soon of the royal baby. Are you excited for the royal baby, Judy? I am. Um, it's tempered excitement because if it's anything like Kate and William, I have to sit there staring at my television screen, looking at the door of the clinic, waiting for them to come out with the baby. I think I was there for about three hours last time. But it's yes, it is kind of thrilling. And I think possibly the rumours are that Megan's not going to be emerging from the same doors anyway. So perhaps I'll have different doors to look at. That would be quite thrilling. I have to say that um, one raw baby did wave when it was brought out. And I think that was probably the peak of my baby analysing career. I'm sure Megan's baby will be a lot better behaved and just lay there. Yeah, very quiet. Like, was that George came out, I think. Was it was it Charlotte? Lost lost my memory. There's been so many uh, royal excitements over the years and it was so clear it was very much a natural in the uh, in the in the first stage of things. So how have you um how have you seen Megan's pregnancy as a, a mum to be as she has journeyed through I the- think like, I think with Megan it's probably like pretty much everything else that she does. She's kind of flawless but not boring which for the royals is quite a feat in itself. She manages to not be bland. Um, She manages to be pregnant in high heels all the way through. I did notice that one and and marvelled at it slightly. Her body language overall barely changed except for that wonderful up and under cupping of the bump, which I thought was pretty magnificent. I mean, usually the royals, they tend to act as though they're not pregnant, which probably makes it slightly difficult if you're engaging them in conversation and trying to ignore it. But with Megan, it, it was definitely featured and, and it was kind of the star in her body language. And it was there it was. We knew she was pregnant. She was excited about it. She was happy to show it off. She was choosing clothing. And I loved the clothing that was so pregnancy boasting with the lovely skin tight black dress, the hair tied back, the bump was featured 100%. Um, And that must have made it a lot easier for people that were in conversation with her. She was very sharing with the experience. Uh, And I think, you know, you didn't have to sort of pretend she just had a slightly large lunch. Um, We knew she was pregnant. She knew she was pregnant. And it was the thing that she was most pleased, excited and thrilled about. Because that that, um, sort of bump 
clutching, cradling, caressing, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. That's been much remarked upon. And is, do you, do you see other public figures, even rather than just royals, who have been similarly um, loving, I guess, in public of their bump? I think Meghan may have started a trend. I mean, it may be that I just hadn't noticed it before. But since she's been doing it, it's the celebrity look now, so much so that she'll probably have to discover a different look for her next pregnancy. But, um, yeah, everybody's everybody's at it now. Um, on the red carpets, they're all standing there with the up and under cradling. I found it very touching because, uh, you know, it was great that she was happy to boast about it. We have seen a lot of our royals historically walking around in bell tents trying to hide the fact that they're pregnant right up until the time they give birth. But I think she she's a feminist, you know, she was a lot more, had that view on it. Um, I think she made it a fabulous feature, very Hollywood. I mean, Demi Moore started off the sort of bump boasting many, many years ago. But um, but it also had quite a good practical use as well because I think with with the top hand, it was quite protective, but the lower hand, it was almost keeping a communication going with the baby so she could kind of rub it and soothe it. But also the lower hand was probably keeping a... a it was feeling to see if there was any movement and how the baby was feeling inside. And everything. So she was very much in touch with that baby. And you can tell from the way that she's been cradling it before it's even arrived that she's so excited and can't wait. I was um, just looking up, actually, um, doing a bit of Google about um, mums touching their bump in the run-up to uh, in the run-up to the birth. And scientists have actually shown that if you are touching your bump, the baby can tell. They can tell the mother's touch and will reach out to it. They've kind of filmed it in the in the womb, reaching out to uh, to baby's hands and things. So that, I thought that was interesting. And then I guess as well, when Megan is doing quite a, you know, it's a very high profile role. Everyone is watching her every move if she puts her foot wrong people are going to notice and that that's probably quite a stressful situation even if she you know she doesn't she doesn't generally show it so maybe that in that kind of a situation you would want to feel a bit more protective as well maybe do you think yeah i mean i think she's probably one of the most confident members of the royal family that we've ever had um in a really good way uh, i've never seen her really she doesn't do many self comfort touches i mean she has that tiny little gesture which i'm miming now but you can't see where she touches her hair uh but apart from that and even that can be a little bit of a preening gesture so i i've watched her very closely she has no rituals like that at all which i i think is completely wonderful um that she's got that level of confidence but unfortunately it and possibly because of that, which is very sad, she does seem to be suffering from what's called the tall poppy syndrome, which is where at the, at the outset, everything that she did was right and everybody was her fan. And then it happens all the time with celebrities. They just get a little bit too popular and then suddenly everybody seems to like to work in the opposite direction and become critical and chop them down to size. Sadly, I don't think that's been her fault at all. She She's interesting. She hasn't really put a foot wrong. But obviously all the rumours and things have been gathering. Um, and I, I, she's bringing her baby into that atmosphere and yeah I can understand why she might be just a little bit more protective about it. Um, You talked about her being sort of very confident and projecting that um, poise if we all wanted to be a bit more Megan and project that in our own lives what are the kind of um, what are her tricks to projecting that image that we could maybe take into our own our own lives our own you know job interview or difficult conversation we've got to have with someone or just meeting new people? 
I think we probably need several years as a Hollywood star and actress. Um, I, it has to come from within, though, the kind of level of good confidence that she projects. And it's quite contagious confidence, which is a technique that I always used to notice Michelle, and she does still have it, Michelle Obama has a lot, which is that it's a level of confidence with the body language that seems to make people around you feel more confident as well. It's not what the royals normally do. The royals often have a level of confidence that's almost puts them in a frosted glass bubble where they walk in and people feel less confident in their presence because they're so, you know, the high status and so regal. But she's a lot more accessible, so she tends to allow people around her and maybe even make people around her feel more confident. Um, I, it's interesting. She has, if you watch her hands, I mean, even when she was walking up the aisle by herself on her wedding day, there were none of the usual fiddling and twiddling things that we do or the kind of rigid fingers that we do when we're feeling anxious. She seems to relax from shoulder level and one trick when you want to look more confident and feel more confident is to press your shoulders down because shoulders the muscles tend to tense up when you get anxious so pushing them down will help um i don't think she does the sort of hand shaking and flapping trick before she meets people to make her hands relax but i know camilla does it because i've seen her do it poor camilla tends to do it in front of people which looks a bit odd you should do it before you meet them but sometimes if you shake your hands around it relaxes them a bit bit more so that you're not doing so many rituals that the royals tend to be rather famous for okay so obviously i've uh, pushed my shoulders down during the course of, uh, of that <laughs> advice i'm sure some of our listeners will have done as well um are there other things that you've noticed megan doing that other members of the royal family don't or what are the or alternatively what the royal family's ticks are typically i i think in a way and she's she's played it very well because she's integrated into what I suppose you would call the royal look and all those horrible little rules about, uh, I mean, really, she should ignore most of them. You know, these kind of Stone Age rules about women in the royal family shouldn't cross their legs except at the ankle and all that sort of thing. Um, but she's also managed to retain the look of a little bit of a free spirit. And I think that has been very refreshing. She looks genuinely happy. Now, you don't get that with the royal family very much. Most of them look anxious. Um, a lot of them tend to wear a little bit of a self-pitying look like Prince Charles, as though life's dealt him a, a load of cruel blows. Um, she looks quite excited about being a royal, which I like. Uh, you know, who wouldn't? I'd be roller skating down the palace corridors, you know. But also the other thing that she's extremely good at, and not everybody's managed to see it but it's worth catching she's a very very good eloquent and passionate speaker and um, a lot of the royals learn how to speak and they do become pretty good at it but I think she takes it to a different level I mean clearly she wants to be part of a kind of global power couple with Harry um, and I think going around probably inspiring people with their work and their talks and things like that and I think she's got that talent she's very protective of Harry I think he's a little bit more diffident when he's speaking she's very supportive but in her own right she's an extremely um, inspirational speaker and how does her how does her body language change kind of when she's speaking when she's on that stage I think she manages to, and I train people, I teach them to do business talks and pitches. She manages to do what I'm always saying, which is she doesn't 
change. I think a lot of people, when they get up to give a speech or a pitch in the workplace, they suddenly think that they've got to change who they are and how they look. So she very much appears as Megan. She doesn't suddenly become more pompous or more formal. She doesn't suddenly use the lectern as a bit of a barrier. Uh, she manages to engage the audience as though she's speaking one-to-one, which is very much the secret of a modern speaker, rather than addressing a large room as though the people in front of you are anonymous. She uses a lot of what are called verbal tie signs, which is where she'll connect with the audience, as I say, on almost an individual basis. But I think it's the lack of change. One thing, though, to mention when people are learning to give talks like that, they often say, just be yourself, which is the worst amount of pants that you can ever tell anybody as a tip because it's not something we would normally do. So you have to be yourself, but learn how to hone the best version of yourself while you're up there on stage. And she manages to do that. You mentioned that she's sort of quite supportive of of Harry when he's speaking. Um, But how have you and when they uh, sort of first emerged as a couple everyone has been besotted by the looks that they've shared and and that kind of thing and that interaction between them as a couple that you know they have looked like the fairy tale prince and princess or the duke and duchess as they are um how has that um the public expression of their relationship evolved since their marriage I think they're um, they're good old PDAs. They've kind of been constant, but I noticed with Meghan and, and Harry to a certain extent, they kind of swap status roles a little bit. So one will be supporting one and then the other one will be supporting, depending on who's giving the talk or who's meeting who. Um, I noticed with Meghan, though, and I said this before, with her gestures of affection with Harry... They're, they're almost quasi-maternal. You know, I think we're all very aware of the fact that the whole world is is Harry's parent-in-law after he lost his mother. And, you know, I think everybody, when he got married, was saying, oh, we just want you to be happy, you know, just find the right woman. And then looking at Meghan like, you better not upset him, you mustn't let him down, you know. Um, and so I think she had a lot of that. But she did a lot of very flirty she's a very sexy beautiful looking woman so we got a lot of flirty eye contact etc but with that there were always those quasi maternal little reassuring arm rubs those pats on the back that put her very much in not control particularly that sounds a bit aggressive but a slightly more nurturing role but also a bit of the um more confident and and perhaps helping him a little bit more than he was helping her. They still exist, uh, but I noticed that it did change a lot when she became pregnant because he suddenly started trying to dance around her and do the right thing. And I think you see this a lot with first-time fathers. They don't know whether to rub the back or, you know, help you with the seating. Then she's probably saying, you know, I'm pregnant, I'm not sick, you know. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure there was all a lot of that going on. So you could see him almost sweating every time they went out. Uh, you know, should I bring a cushion with me? What should I do? Is she going to give birth here and now? And, and her looking super supremely confident and completely untroubled by the whole experience so the balance of power did change a little bit with that and I think we'll see it change as well when the baby's born because I think Megan is a very inclusive person with her body language if you look at photographs of her when she was very young with her father even her her, um, stepsister it's always her working the pose and cuddling them and, and making it look like happy families and I think 
unlike most of the royal brides, I think we'll see Meghan create a little triangle of love. And I've just felt slightly sick to be saying that, but... (laughs) With the baby and and with Harry, I think she'll be very inclusive with the body language, which should be interesting to watch. That um that moment on the uh, Australia tour, in fact, it might have been in New Zealand by then. I can't even remember. No, it was Australia because it was when the drought broke and uh, she had to hold the umbrella over Harry while he was giving his oh, speech. It was adorable. Wasn't it adorable? And didn't I think who on earth would ever want to do that? I mean, that was just like too much love, wasn't it? I'm sure as well that they've got about a cast of thousands that have been employed to do things like that. But I I did notice and I I heard her speaking a few days later as well. And somebody was saying, oh, do we need an umbrella? And she immediately said, I'll carry it, I'll carry it. You know, it's it's so wonderfully unregal and, and actually quite real. But Yes, I loved that. I thought she was going to stand there turning his notes over for him as well. But uh, I I don't know how Harry feels about that because he has been this kind of army bloke, hasn't he? And he likes to think he's a bit alpha, a bit of a James Bond. But I suppose having a beautiful woman holding her umbrella is not the worst thing in the world. Well, it's probably even more James Bond, isn't it? But... um... (laughs) I was gonna. I was gonna say actually because some of the royal correspondents or people on the royal who've been on the royal circuit for a long time, they've noticed a change in Harry. You know, he used to be kind of the joker who'd mess around and and really get involved with things or kick a football or you know just ha- have a lot of fun. Whereas they see that he's, they feel like he's changed a bit and is a bit less inclined to get really involved like that. Or so whether that's him taking his royal life more seriously or being more concerned about making sure that Megan's okay when they're on a visit or, or that kind of thing have you how have you seen Harry change have you seen Harry change and have you interpreted it I it, absolutely his Harry's body language has changed a lot since he got married I think we kind of saw the old fun Harry for the last time at the first Invictus Games when he and Megan came flying out in their ripped jeans and he was showing off to her and you know pointing out showing her around the place and everything like that and I think he was bursting with pride but also being quite funny uh, his usual kind of um, role joker routine I think after that I've got a feeling and I, 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 I couldn't imagine this would be Megan's fault in any way shape or form but I think he's taking himself a lot more seriously and I, you can understand it really because in a way he was uh, he I mean he wasn't older when he got married but I mean obviously he'd been sitting there on this wonderful shelf for quite a long time Um, and up until then he'd very much had the role of still being Diana's son and and the sort of younger brother and then very suddenly he achieved very quickly one after another the role of being the husband and now the father-to-be so I think seems to think that that requires a huge change of body language either that or he thinks that that's what Megan loves about him, this rather manly, grown-up, sophisticated alpha. But you're absolutely right. We've lost that naughty, fun side of him, certainly in the public body language that we've been seeing. And he has looked very anxious, um, and more so as clearly as the pregnancies got towards the end, I mean, which is quite natural. But he's also lost that double act with his brother as well. And I think... With his brother and Kate, I think, as as the younger brother who was single, I think he spent a lot of time with them. And I think he spent a lot of his time jollying them along. You know, William, I think, can be a little bit stuffy at times. Um, and I think 
he he had a lot of fun with them, making them laugh. I think he sees his role now on the world stage as being a, an ambassador, somebody that's going to go around doing good works and taking life a bit more seriously. So he has undeniably changed. I think he should look at George Clooney because they are becoming a bit like the George and Amal um, in terms of the power couple. And George laughs and grins a lot. I mean, you know, he was laughing at the Royal Wedding, so I think he could just notch it down a little bit and have a bit more fun again. Maybe it's one of those things when you've been a particular character, then you need to take a massive break from it to show the change and then you can dial it dial it back a little bit and hopefully we can start to see fun Harry again. But um, do you, is he very protective when he's out and about with Meghan? Because obviously he's... he's um, I guess for both for William and for Harry, they were very aware of the world, the royal, crazy royal world that they, of scrutiny and news coverage and meeting, you know, dozens and dozens of people that they were bringing their the loves of their life into, and the kind of the level of pressure and and um, you know everything that goes that goes with it, and how that had been for their mother versus how they wanted it to be for their wives to be, and that kind of protection has always been part of their relationships that for that generation i i do find this absolutely fascinating um the royals i mean if if you if you go back to the sort of generation of charles and diana um all of that generation had massive very public marriage meltdowns that uh, it, you know, really the scandal. I mean, the toe sucking that was going on, um, the people having affairs, etc. And it really, with the death of Diana, I think the idea was that, and I think William and Kate, I think, have been very careful about doing this. Since then, there has been a, a massive airbrushing of the royals, and I think they very carefully, the next generation, I. I think William led this more than anybody else. Um, I think he wanted to go back to basics, which is what the roles always used to be about, which was being actually rather boring, um, erring on the side of bland, which is where you know you, people like to see them when they were out. They like to get a bit of a roll wave, but there was none of that soap opera going on. I mean, I think the most we ever got to see of um, the Queen and Prince Philip years ago would have been the glimpse of them doing a barbecue. You know, wow, you know, that was about as exciting. Prince Philip sizzling a sausage was about as exciting as it got. And then suddenly we were seeing every detail of love lives, um, mistresses. I mean, you could actually at one point, one of the newspapers, you could you could ring your landline number and listen to a private conversation between Charles and Camilla and, and people were doing that in droves. So I think William very carefully re-sculpted it, re-airbrushed it. I think William and Kate, they're, they're great. Their body language is pretty perfect, but it, it errs on the side of bland, but in a good way. Um, and then suddenly Harry dropped this depth charge into the royal family by marrying a, a glamorous Hollywood star that anyway people would have been interested in, but to come over here and marry a, an English prince. So I suppose you could argue that that only he, or he had only got himself to blame. I suppose you can possibly see where 
William and Harry may have had a little bit of a falling out about that, if that's what in any any way, shape or form, what, was, what has caused what looks like their rift. Um, but how do you backpedal? Because Megan is a glamorous character. Uh, she's a campaigning person. And part of that campaign is to get publicity for her causes by being high profile. Uh, it, it's a little bit difficult to kind of put it back in the box once everybody in the magazines and the newspapers started to get interested. So you mentioned the relationship between William and Harry. What have you observed between them in the sort of more recent months since Meghan arrived? I've I've found it really sad because, I mean, I know everybody loves a good rumour and I know there was the one between Kate and Meghan, which did have certain legs in terms of their body language. I think people maybe didn't notice that there looked to be a sea change between William and Harry with their body language. Um, but I have been studying it and I've been looking more closely recently as well. And I, I have to say, with those two, because most of us saw them grow up, we all saw them with the tragedy, we saw them being very, very close, um, loving watching them together as they got older because they did become almost a bit of a comedy double act. Uh, I mean, that was instigated by Harry. They used to use a lot of tie signs. It always you could see them using non-verbal banter, winding one another up, joking with one another. They play polo together. And it, it was good to see that bonding because the royal family doesn't always have it in place. Um, it, it's not been there recently. And, you know, even with some of their most recent engagements, I've been watching them and, yeah, they're, they're kind of standing together, but you're not seeing what are called tie signs. You know, those little glances that you give somebody that you're really close to, where you just catch their eye, pull up the face, move your eyebrows maybe, um, even have a conversation. I don't think I've seen them chatting together. They they look very awkward together. Um, they seem to be almost avoiding one another, even when they're standing quite close. And I think that's a huge pity. And I hope that it's just a bad coincidence, but I can't help but feel a little bit um, depressed about it, that the fact that they seem to have lost what I would call their spark together in terms of their body language. Sounds like there's a police helicopter come to take you away, Judy, down the slope. No, it's the royals have come to <laughs> stop me talking, probably. No. <laughs> I think it is the police, but they're not. I don't think not they're after here. you. Good, good. Um, you mentioned that between Meghan and Kate, you thought that some of the rumours that maybe they weren't getting on so well had some legs. What did you see in that that made you feel like that? Well, firstly, I don't really know why sister-in-law should get on well together. Most of the ones I know don't anyway. Um, in fact, it can often be quite competitive in some families. I think people wanted them to because everybody had this idealistic view of the Fab Four. And I think when we saw them appearing together for the first time, we realised that it probably wasn't going to be quite as fab as everybody thought. Um, Megan's a grown woman. You know, she didn't come into the royal family as a a, a naive young girl she came in she hit the ground running uh, in terms of what she wanted to do and what she wanted to achieve and that can always cause ripples it's a bit like somebody starting work and you think they're going to spend about three month induction period and you actually find they come in with a load of really good ideas of their own and a load of confidence and that can be quite difficult um i know they did have a stab at showing themselves as friends when we saw them at wimbledon and and that look quite jolly but since then I think it, it occasionally has looked a little bit frosty we got that 
Christmas outing where they went out together, that for me was very overcongruent. It was, I hate it when you have to watch those things. You, you'd see it with politicians years ago when they'd been accused of having affairs and they'd get these photo calls where they'd stand there with their wives and it was all trying to look really jolly and kissing them in front of the camera. And I, I don't like all that kind of overcongruent stuff. It was a little bit over-egged for my liking. And I, I'd love to see little moments where they're, laughing together and looking relaxed and quite jolly again together but it's not particularly necessary I, th I think uh, you know they're probably never going to be the best of friends and their body language tends to suggest that um, Kate to us when we've talked about it um, a few times recently on the show seems to be quite confident quite relaxed quite happy since she's come back from her maternity leave she's started giving speeches a bit more you know something that really wasn't natural to her she did one semi off the cuff at a recent at a recent event do you how how do you feel like Kate has evolved and changed what what's her current state in her in her royal I, life I I do find Kate interesting because she doesn't put a foot wrong I mean she has managed to achieve that when I say bland I don't mean it as a criticism but she's her body language is pitch perfect as a royal in, in a slightly more traditional way. Um, and I, I think that's what she's very good at. I noticed recently, as you said, though, her confidence levels do seem to be increasing. And I think she's maybe taking a, a different role in the royal family generally. I think with Meghan coming into the royal family, she was strangely no longer the kind of newbie. You know, she was the one that wasn't royal that married into the royal family. Um, and now Meghan's done the same thing and Meghan is the newbie and I think that's perhaps elevated Kate's confidence levels a bit. But I think Kate seems to be taking a much more dominant, maybe matriarchal role in the royal family anyway and I can understand why that is because the Queen clearly isn't getting any younger um, and is stepping back a little bit and ditto Prince Philip. I don't see Charles and Camilla and particularly Camilla ever wanting to take up the reins of being that matriarchal figure in the royal family. I think she would probably do anything to avoid that. And so it has fallen to Kate to a certain extent, and I think she's working it really, really well. I think she was completely besotted with Louis, and I love watching that. I mean, obviously she loves all her children, but you could see she was gooey with adoration for Louis when he came along. Um, and... Yeah, you know, we even saw her becoming a bit more tactile for the first time with William. I, I think it would be quite easy to say that she's doing that because maybe she's in competition with Meghan, who is more tactile and who is great at making speeches. But I think this is just her normal evolutionary process as a royal. And I think she will be a very different role. She'll be that slightly more traditional, a little bit more old-fashioned royal, but... Um, very confident and maybe the keeper of traditions as well and it will be William and Kate's eighth year anniversary very soon um how do you how, do, how have you seen their relationship evolve and the kind of um you know eight, eight years is quite a long time to be married speaking of someone who's coming up to nearly four which is has been a delight obviously shout out to the husband but um you know it's it's, it's a long time to be married. They've got three kids. They've got busy sort of high profile roles that they're taking on. And, and, and those are, have changed quite a lot during that time. How, how, how do you see them as a couple? I think they very cleverly don't share much with us. I mean, I can hand on heart say that 
I don't think I've ever seen Kate and possibly William display any negative emotions in public at all. Um, I've never seen them look as though they've had a row. I mean, there's none of, no hint of sulking going on, no hint of, um, you know, you've annoyed me today or anything like that. They, they, they very rarely veer over the line of just getting it right but not remarkable. So we do pick up more on those little moments like the royal wedding where she appeared to just put her hand on William's side. I think it was his side. It might have been the arm of the pew. I don't know. But uh, for, my, for my mind, it was it was his it was his leg. Um, little moments like that, I think you have to sort of scratch around to look at to get any inkling with them. Um, they've always been very competitive together, which they haven't lost. I don't think, you know, if you give them any sport to do, they get both get stuck in and start barracking one another and both trying to win. I, they, they very, very carefully and cleverly keep a very strong sort of curtain, like a safety curtain over their relationship. We don't really know what's going on there because we don't get any glimpses via their body language of anything other than happy and glad to be out and glad to be there together. They No negatives, but no extreme positives either. And so Megan and Kate and um, well, let's add Diana to the mix as, as well, because obviously she was a, in a sort of a similarly beloved high profile role. I'm not sure that Kate or Megan has reached quite the that stage of um, um, adoration just yet but what would you how would you describe each of their kind of signature styles in terms of how they projected themselves I mean Diana was a body language joy um, to watch because she had so much charisma with her body language I mean that obviously didn't help her very much to a certain extent in terms of her life but she had the kind of body language where it was almost as though people couldn't get enough of it she funnily enough she shared that with um celebrities like Marilyn Monroe there was this kind of magnetism that when she appeared on screen people were always left wanting more and I think that's probably why the paparazzi literally hounded her quite so much but she was also I mean we got a lot of set pieces where she created her story via her body language and her poses so she told us that her marriage was in in trouble not just in the interview but with her body language um you could see her and Charles together when they were told to play together nicely, there was dreadful photographs of them sitting together but looking in opposite directions with Diana looking absolutely crestfallen. So she had a very emotional face. She gave everything away with her facial expression. Sitting in front of the Taj Mahal, we saw through her posture, oh, I'm here alone. Uh, so it, it was like a constant narrative that was going on that became very compelling. That's something that Kate doesn't have. Kate doesn't. And I think it's probably a good thing, given what happened. She doesn't address the public one to one. She doesn't. She really looks straight into camera with any meaningful looks, which was something that Diana specialised in. Diana and Megan. Megan will pick out the camera with her eyes as well. And it's a little bit like an actor who suddenly breaks through the stage and speaks directly to the audience. We get that from their body language that we don't get from Kate. And I think very carefully and reasonably with with Kate's case. Um, 
I think Megan and Diana are a lot more tactile, as I say, very chatty with a wider range of emotions, although Megan, we haven't seen any negatives at all. Um, I think Diana and Megan probably a lot more flirtatious with their body language. I mean, if you look back, Charles and Diana's marriage, which was a disaster, most people think that it was like it was like that from the word from their engagement, etc. But um, if you look at their shots from their honeymoon, he couldn't keep his hands off her, and I mean, they she looked like some heroine from a soap opera absolutely adoring flirty sexy giggly so she was very sexy and in a way like Megan to a certain extent so um, those little tie signs with the public with the cameras uh, very much a trait of Megan and Diana but not Kate interesting um you mentioned obviously Charles and Diana's marriage. It's there's another royal wedding anniversary this month, which is Charles and Camilla's, which was 14 years earlier this week, which seems to have been a much more happy union for um, for both of them, really. Um, how had you know great pictures from the Caribbean tour recently? How do you see them as um, you know future king and queen consort or whatever her whatever Camilla's title ends up? ends up being how do you see them as both a couple and in their royal roles every everybody forgets that they're the next one to take over the throne i think most people assume that william and kate and then there's oh no there's charles and camilla still to come i think everybody project projects happiness on those two as well he's got no choice you know, he went through this, oh, I married for duty the first time and I never got to marry the woman I love and blah, 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 and self-pity and why don't they want me to be happy, et cetera, et cetera, which he actually said. Um, he, how can he then finally marry this woman that he's probably fought with the entire, every wrath of the royal family, um, possibly including his mother, uh, against him doing it? I, even he, I think, couldn't pretend to be unduly miserable um they they do sort of look happy but with their body language i feel quite uneasy watching it to a certain extent i think he still has this what's called um steeple brows that he uses all the time and a very sad puppy dog eye expression as though he's still quite long suffering even though he is with camilla uh, I love his rituals. I've studied them for so many years. He does all of his little self-comfort rituals are still there, the pocket patting, the pretending to look for the wallet that he doesn't carry, the fiddling with his cufflinks or his watch straps. So he always looks extremely uneasy wherever he goes. I think they've managed to sort of put together this look of sweet, lovable, slightly bumbling duo uh, where they go everywhere. So... And with Camilla in particular, she had to do a load of airbrushing because I remember when we first found out about her, after, particularly after Diana died, I, I, I watched her literally looking like a fox at a hunt. I mean, she was darting amongst the crowds trying to hide because people were saying, they're going to throw things at her. You know, she's going to get insulted in the streets. So she, she looked very scared and very hunted for a long period of time. I think now she still has a slight wariness about her because I think she knows there are so many Diana fans out there. But she can also look a little bit bored. You know, I've seen her at uh, huge events. I remember one, and they were making a speech about 
it was abroad as well, which made it worse. They were making a speech about her and Charles, and when the camera went to her, she was flicking through the brochure as though she was waiting for the um, end of the show so she could go back and get her slippers on. So I, I don't think I think they will do their duty. Uh, I reckon she will be queen, but I, I, I don't think she's going to be relishing it particularly. And can I just say with Charles as well, just watch out because you know when he's not quite. Um, enjoying himself he does what's called the pointless point um and it, it's instead of sort of engaging in things you will see him he gets this sort of index finger out and he just points at nothing the queen's done it for years and he's p- picked up on it as well and he kind of chuckles as well so we all think he's really happy but i don't think he is totally happy to be honest oh well it's a strange old life he's he's had really kind of a long time waiting for a job that you only get when your mum dies which is not how anybody would want to get their big job really. yeah um any of the other royals um in the sort of the wider set that have you've noticed anything notable about or are they all relatively quiet and kind of overshadowed by the by the central group well this is the interesting thing isn't it because to a certain extent they've all been eclipsed i mean when did we last see princess anne um, although she did look very jolly at the weddings, I think she's almost enjoying the kind of spotlight being offered to a certain extent. I miss Sarah and Mike. I mean, I I I love watching their body language because they just look so happy and funny. And, and you know, I love watching Zara at the royal wedding. She was just about wedging herself into the seat. She was so pregnant, and um, they're just quite natural. The two that keep coming back in again with a kind of relentless relentless attitude of a pair of tanks is um, Andrew and Fergie. How have they managed to cobble together a kind of narrative of will they get back together again? How long has it been, for goodness sake? But they still seem to sort of... I, I, I think they're coming more to the fore. I think they're a bit fed up with not being the centre of attention. So I think we're getting a kind of a, a last-ditch attempt to get a little bit of a soap opera going together. And I, I did notice at the last outing, she was dressing as she used to. I, listen, I, sorry, this isn't me being censorious. Dress, dress however you want to. But she got almost exactly the same outfit on that she wore when she was first dating Andrew, which was a little rah-rah skirt that was quite short, little fat, funny pumps on her feet. She got all those logos she used to wear. She she was really famous for, you know, she'd have a helicopter hairpiece and all sorts of bits and bobs that told a huge story. I think her train on her wedding day, it was almost like the bio tapestry of her life and everything was woven into it um, in embroidery. And she was doing the same. She got this embroidered jacket on. I don't know if it got I Love Andy written on it or something like that, but she definitely seemed to be making a point when she was with him of um, remember what it was like when we fell in love. So I'm not sure that she wouldn't quite like them to get back together again, but it's really odd. Neither of them have remarried. Um, and, and I suppose that's why people think that they're going to be like magnets when they do finally get together. But we've probably got another wedding coming up, haven't we? There's a, a, a daughter still on the loose, isn't there, that's supposed to be getting engaged. So maybe we'll we'll get that wonderful, blissful scene where it all goes soft focus and mother and father start snogging in the vestry or something like that. I, I live in hope. Any <laughs> body language, I'll pick up any crumbs I can get. It would definitely be a royal wedding like no other, that one. Right, well, we'd better let you go and uh, answer, answer those police if they're outside looking for you to carry you <laughs> off, carry you off to the tower. 
Thanks ever so much for joining us again, Judy. And I'm sure we'll be back to talk to you again at some stage before too long, because, well, hopefully we'll have seen Megan with the baby and that kind of thing. And we'll be able to talk about how they're adapting to to life as parents. Um, So to our listeners, thank you very much for listening. Uh, We'll be back again with another episode very soon. But until next time. Pod save the queen. 